a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes Scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. I don't know that I necessarily want the people to remember my sermon for uh, a week as much as I want them to uh, receive that Word of God right there. If this is a, uh, a download of information, it's important that you retain that information. Yeah. But if this is being addressed by a, a burning bush, I know that a burning bush talked to me. And I said to the guy, uh, look, at when the Bible talks about vision, it's, it's talking about the death of Jesus. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. It's talking about the gospel. It's talking about confessing the creed. And his answer to me was, yeah, uh, I'm not using vision in the biblical sense, but rather in the business sense. <laughs> okay, then. All right. I, by the way, had no knowledge of that encounter when I posed the hypothetical. <laughs> and it's time for another edition of Table Talk Radio. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you better be sorry. Um, and last, Man, am I back from Israel yet, or what? You don't even know what's going on. I don't even know. what. I don't know what day it is. I don't know what time it is. You know, all I know is that we get to do the decision wheel again for Table Talk Radio planning, but we decided not to do the whole thing because... Right. Why did we decide not to do the whole thing? Because it was painful. It was, it was really bad, yeah. Um, Plus, we got a bunch of praise songs to crunch, and we got a bunch of church signs and a bunch of pictures of church signs and bumper stickers on the Trello board. We got a backlog here. Yeah, so we need to get so. to this. So, um, so do you want to do buzzwords first? Sure. Okay, go ahead. My buzzword for you is synod. Ah. Synod. That comes from, uh, I, apparently comes from some Greek words, which means sin. I, I think that means together. And odd means, it must be from synhodos, which means something like walking together. Okay. Is that right? Uh, yeah. So a synod is supposed to be a bunch of uh, churches walking together. Mainly agreeing in doctrine. Now, if that's actually what it is, I mean, I, I mean, that's like meeting the girl named uh, Chastity, and you're like, hmm. <laughs> that's how it is when you meet the Senate. You're like, huh? Well, okay. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. <laughs> you like that analogy? That's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> My. <laughs> My <laughs> my buzzword for you is syncretism. Hey, there you go. Syncretism. What um, made you think of that? Uh, chastity told me. <laughs> the <laughs> syncretism. You're not going to be thinking about that. I just thought of that right now. By the way, do you know that? Did you you when you heard it come out of my mouth? You were hearing it being formed Whatever. in my head at the same time. You thought of it like. I'd, Last week, no, I, I normally it's true. I think of jokes, and I'm like, "When am I going to say that joke?" And people are having a conversation about something, and I butt in and interrupt with this funny punchline. But not that one. It was it was ex nihilo right there, baby. <laughs> Boom. All right, all right. Uh, syncretism is the practice where people of different religions worship together as if they're all worshiping the same god, or at the least giving the appearance that all gods, all of these different gods are on equal standing. So you if, know how many members we have in our Table Talk radio group? 1,410. And Kirk Cameron? Take it easy. Take it easy. <laughs> I'll check. I haven't been followed. I, I forgot that I was jealous of him for a while. <laughs> so I would have not have known what it meant to covet until Evan said... <laughs> what about Kirk Cameron? <laughs> right. Okay, well, while you're looking up Kirk Cameron's uh, jealousy Two board, million people like Kirk Cameron? Well on our way. We are, are you we kidding are almost me? there. No. I'm reading this wrong. <laughs> two <laughs> million? Count the zeros. How many zeros do you see? No, it says 2M. Hmm. Maybe that means 2 milli, like in, <laughs> in Latin. You know, milli so. is a thousand. All right, let's see what we're doing today besides Praise Song Cruncher. I'm spinning my little wheel of misfortune. And it says Biggest Loser. We can't really do that. Should I run it again? Yeah, do it again. Okay. Biggest Loser is a sermon analysis game. It takes a lot of time it to do some... It takes work. Yeah. That's why we don't play it. Uh, oh, this is uh, Name That Logical Fallacy. 
Okay, we can try that. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> I mean, we got tons of time till the last segment. <laughs> All right, let's go to the emails, and we have about uh, five minutes here. Oh, okay. This is from mm, Eric, ex Cathedra, co founder of Boston Beer Party, founder and patriarch of the Chicago Scotch Party, COPD, which stands for Cult of Pure Doctrine. Um, greetings, Pastor Gagline and Wolfmuller, and at Mission Vision 1962. Uh, hello, hello, and hello. From the Brothers of the Cult of Pure Doctrine, Chicago Scotch Party, I offer you this oblation, a tasty hunk of fresh, bloody red meat from a Campbellite compound in Oklahoma. Quote, Bible study guide for converting Lutherans into Christians. Oh, I remember <laughs> looking at this. <laughs> this is great. Uh, it's hours of banger-bashing fun. I had hoped this might be enough to whip one of you into a Lutheran rant fervor, similar to the epic ramp of the theological bull rider against the late Mark Driscoll calling baptismal regeneration pagan magical charms. I don't remember that. Did you have to put me down after that? Or did you rant on that? I don't know. Please also have a look at their Spartan and badly written documents on the side of what you believe. You'll especially like the number four thesis on the, the Church of Christ, a document railing against the creeds when the entire document is a creed itself. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's funny because they're ranting against something they're doing, and it's impossible not to do it if you plan to define what you actually believe. Yeah, That's, I, thank I you for it. explaining Thanks. that joke there. In mediocrity and his very non-mediocre name, Eric X Cathedra. There you go. Look, this email has been checked for viruses by Avast antivirus software. Thank you, Avast. Thank you. I, I'm having a hard time this loading email this thing. This email is br brought to you by Avast.com. Oh, there it goes. Get a guide for converting Lutherans. Nice. <laughs> Did, so what do you see? Have you looked at this? I'm pull, it's, it's opening. Yeah, I looked at it when we got the email a while back. Um, okay. So, here, okay, let's just jump down to the bottom where it has these different numbers, and it says creed and then truth. And the funny thing is, is that, <laughs> the, I mean, when it says the creed, and then it has just Bible passages. So you need to get your Bible ready to look these up. Um, creed. Lutheran Church began in Germany in 1517 by Martin Luther. Do you think 1517 is the start of the Lutheran Church? No, I do not. I think the start of the Lutheran Church, by the way, was when Jesus preached the gospel to Adam and Eve in the garden. <laughs> Uh, You're so anachronistic. Then, <laughs> I know it. I know it. But the, what it means to be Lutheran is to believe the Bible. I mean, that's what the, that's what Lutheran means. So we can't get all out of whack about this. But 1517, even, even if you were going to say that the Lutheran Church has to be had to be after Luther was born, it's not going to be 1517 because you read the 95 Theses and you're like, wait a minute, Luther. Luther himself said that he didn't believe the 95 Theses later because he was still a Catholic when he wrote them. So if you wanted a date to start the kind of Lutheran name of the Lutheran Church, it would be it would be June 25th. 1530, the presentation of the Augsburg Confession. Right. Now, I... I can't believe Kirk Cameron has two million so, likes. So... Dang. The, 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 the problem... contrasted on this page here, it says, Creed Lutheran Church began in Germany. The truth is, Matthew 16, 18, that's, uh, you're Peter on this rock, I'll build my church. Acts 20, 28, that is, uh, shepherd the flock of God, which he bought with his own blood. Psalm 127, 1, I don't, I don't remember what that says. Uh... But the point is the church existed long before Luther, which is something that the Lutherans argued profoundly and over and over. So, so anyway. he's, he's, okay, great. Um, all right, let's see if there's any other ones here. Um, let's skip some of these dumb ones. Look uh, at this. How about this? The sin of Adam is in, inherited to, by all of us from our fathers. They say that's the creed. The truth is Ezekiel 18, a child, a person will be judged for their own sins. Matthew 18, 3, I can't remember what that says, but they're, they're rejecting original sin here. So Matthew, and then it has a little note, the liberal NIV reflects this false doctrine in Psalm 51, 5. All right, well, I'm, I'm going to read from the liberal New American Center Bible um, that <laughs> says, uh, Truly I say to you, unless you are converted and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. So, Duh. oh, I see. So that's saying that children are innocent. Oh, do you see what oh, they're arguing there? Oh, I see. Okay. They're de they're denying original sin by saying children are innocent, and for you to enter the kingdom of heaven, you have to become like a child. Whoa! That means that there's salvation apart from faith. 
Wow. In other words, it's just by being children you can be so saved. So Jesus see, is not the, the way, the truth, and the life. He's one way. He's the way to get you back to your childlike state of innocence. Ezekiel twenty eight fifteen says, You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created until unrighteousness was found in you. Well, that's the whole point. <laughs> right? Until unrighteousness was found in you, like when Adam took from the tree. <laughs> Man. Look at what this... How about this? Here's the number, point number eight. Creed, which they, by that mean, they mean Lutheran error. At communion, you take the actual blood and flesh of Jesus. We would say body, by the way. Uh, truth, Matthew 26, 26, where Jesus says, Take it, eat, this is my body. <laughs> <laughs> Sheesh. <laughs> the Ten Commandments are still binding on God's people today. They say that is false. The truth is, I will write a New Testament on your heart. Wow. Matthew five seventeen. you've heard it said, I say to you. So they're saying the Ten Commandments are superseded. Hope they don't get murdered. I mean, that sounds bad. (laughs) I just mean that that, that's what would keep someone from... Right. Well, they Uh, would say it's not the Ten Commandments. It's deeper than that. Okay. Uh, Creed, the pastor is able to forgive sins at the confessional booth? Do you have a confessional Hmm. booth at Hope Lutheran Church? No, I do not. Wherever I am is the confessional booth. Did I tell you the story about the guy who asked what I did in the airplane? Mm Mm-mm. When I was flying back from uh, where, wherever I was a couple months ago now, and uh, the guy, this guy was some sort of like vision cast or something, and uh, he said, "What do you do?" And I said, "Well, I forgive sins." <laughs> nice. And he said, "And he said what?" And I said, "Yeah, I'm a Lutheran pastor. I forgive sins." And well, that's all. I mean, we talked for. I got schnookered into buying him a beer. <laughs> no wonder he was so interested in me. All right, we need to take a break. We'll be right back and play Praise Song Cruncher, maybe? Sure thing. All right. Table Talk Radio. After a while, you just get used to it. And we're back on Table Talk Radio. Praise Song Cruncher is the way that we discern the usefulness of praise songs for public worship. And uh, we have a five-question diagnostic question, or I said five questions diagnostic, to evaluate whether these songs are useful for worship. And the five questions go something like this. Is Jesus mentioned? Yes or no? Uh, uh, let's see. What's the next one? <laughs> uh, this is the song clear, <laughs> Is it right? mystical in form? Yeah, it's mystical in form. So it, does, it, does it repeat itself? Does it use uh, sentences or sentence fragments? Uh, does it repeat itself? And does it use sentences and sentence fragments? And does it repeat itself? See what I did there? That's hilarious. You're not even paying attention. <laughs> and then mystical content. Next is mystical content. Yes, you're catching up here. Uh, that is to do with, uh, does, it have, does it talk about loss of self? Does it use romantic imagery or Touching, feeling, water imagery? Seeing. Right. All the actions on Internal. the inside, lack of objection, objectivity, etc. Then the fourth question is, there, is there a law and gospel, and is it rightly divided? And then the fifth question is, is there any false doctrine not covered by the previous questions? Mm-hmm. Any questions? No. Okay, well, so let's... <laughs> <laughs> Got I got email. an email. This is from Allison. I got an email. Go ahead. <laughs> are you not? Are you not paying attention? <laughs> After attending the BJS conference and hearing Pastor Wolfmuller talk, hey, remember that up in Chicago? Yeah, that was awesome. I was talking about something. Uh, I decided to listen to some table talk radio. I never thought I would use the phrase "beautiful mediocrity." But I can't think of anything else to describe what I heard. <laughs> Is that the BGS conference? <laughs> no, that's our show. 
I wanted to get this question to you guys as soon as I thought of it, because after listening, I'm assuming your last show will be any day now. <laughs> That's true. We've been trying to end this disaster for years, and it just won't die. This is like the cockroach of bad habits. It's like, can we stop recording this week? No. It just nice. keeps on going. It has a life of its own. It draws you in. After hearing about the praise song cruncher, I thought of a praise song that might actually pass. As a very new Lutheran, I do struggle a little with the praise song cruncher section on mysticism. I used to be a Mormon, and the craziness of mysticism runs deep there. I'm mm -hmm. still working through it. I really enjoy this song, but I'm unsure about how it ranks. The song is Redeemed by Big Daddy Weave. Now, look at is My comment is, any song by a guy named Big Daddy is not going to pass the cruncher. <laughs> we'll that see. is my... That's my working hypothesis. Looking forward to some more beautiful mediocrity, Allison. This is Big Daddy Weave redeemed. So far, so good. Seems like all I could see was the struggle. song all my life i have been called unworthy are we done with time we got time go ahead yeah yeah keep, keep i just if you want to read the lyrics yeah yeah all right here all my life i've been called unworthy named by the voice of my shame and regret but when i hear your whisper child lift up your head i remember oh god you're not done with me yet I'm redeemed. You set me free, so I'll shake off these heavy chains, wipe away every stain. Now I'm not who I used to be, because I don't have to be the old man inside of me, because his day is long dead and gone, because I've got a new name, a new life. I'm not the same, and a hope that will carry me home. I'm redeemed. You set me free, etc. I am redeemed. You set me free, etc. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, I'm not who I used to be. Jesus, I'm not who I used to be, because I am redeemed. Thank God. Redeemed. Okay. So the first question, and it was one that I was uh, worried about until the very end, is Jesus mentioned? Right there at the end he says, Yes. I'm not who I used to be, Jesus. Jesus, I'm not who I used to be. Yep, that's right. So the song is a song to Jesus. You find that out at the end. So that's good because Jesus is our Redeemer. Okay. What about uh, questions of mystical content? Or form, form first. So it's does it slightly repetitive, but not not yet. Right. Sorry, it's ahead. not too repetitive. It it I mean it, uh, it goes back and forth a little bit. Um, I mean, it kind of gets uh, kind of repeaty there at the end. Um, but it's not too bad, and I think it's mostly sentences. Um, okay, how about some mystical content where it talks about seeing, feeling, touching God, use of the romantic imagery, etc.? Uh, yeah, let's see. Uh, I don't know. what. It's not... It's not... This is neither mystical. This is a, this is a little bit tricky on this question because it's not necessarily objective. 
but nor is it so internal that it becomes nothing but subjectivity. This is about, it's a personal thing, so it's not we, it's I. I am redeemed, so it's a very, it's a very personal song. It's not we are redeemed, uh, it, it's, it's simply me. And it's not talking about what Jesus has done on the cross. It is talking about that Jesus has come to me, and he set me free. And we don't know how that happened, uh, except for the Lord comes and says, stop fighting a fight that's been won. Child, lift up your head. Um, I've got a new name, a new life. But how this sort of thing happens is not necessarily identified. Now, we could put the best construction on it and say, this is the day I was baptized. This song is talking about my baptism, or you know, it's talking about the day that I heard the Lord's word and was confirmed, or, or, or I mean, I, I don't necessarily want to make it confirmation, but, uh, um, you know, this is, uh, so it is a, I, I, I don't know how, it's, it's neither objective nor hmm, mystical, subjective, it's somewhere kind of in the middle. Mm-hmm. Do you, that, are you going to let me get away with that? Yeah. I think the problem is, as you said, that we're not told how this is happening. So, I mean, so look, so you have this talk of, I am redeemed, and uh, you set me free, so I'll shake off these heavy chains. Well, I don't think that he means that there's these chains, like, wrapped around him. Um, or that there's, uh, like, grass stains on his blue jeans, on his knees, so uh, that he's wiping away those stains. So he means something else, but he doesn't actually say how this is taking place is it uh, is right. it is it because i've heard the gospel um uh so yep. so there's a lot I, I don't know this might go to a lack of clarity yeah I, I mean yeah it's and it's not because of a lack of sentences it's just mm-hmm. a, it's kind of it's just a generic sort of thing mm-hmm. is what's happening it's uh it's just not a specific song mm-hmm. that's all mm-hmm Okay, um, and then the next question is, I have too many windows going on here in my computer. Uh, so we talked about the mystical uh, form and content. Now, law and gospel. Do you see law and gospel uh, distinguished in this song? Well, sort of, but it's, see, here again, it's slightly, it's this, the, you see, the problem is not that I'm a, a sinner, it's the it's that the problem that is, is being dealt with in this song is that I I'm not able to embrace the forgiveness that the Lord has given me. See, so I'm living in the past. I'm bound up by my failures. Um, uh, uh, I, I I'm enchained by my sins. This is the picture. You, you see, and now the gospel is, um, hey, you're redeemed. Uh, it's not, I mean, I, it's not get over it. I don't think it's get over it, but, um, there's something like that. Get over it. Uh, hey, Jesus says you're forgiven. Now, the question that I think we should consider, is this a, is this a serious problem that a lot of people have? That I, I, I'm forgiven, but I just can't come to grips with my forgiveness? It's, it just runs right up against the trouble of a kind of therapeutic gospel and not not the real absolution that comes in the forgiveness of sins okay real click false doctrine i don't think so okay do you see any so does this pass the cruncher you know this i think this hymn this song would be mm, helpful for personal piety you say it that way Mm-hmm. Uh, but n- probably not for use in church. It's too personal. It doesn't have enough clarity. It's. I don't think it's hurt. I don't think it's necessarily a hurtful song. But I'm not sure it's. It's actually it reaches the point of being helpful either. Although that would go against the testimony of our listener Allison, who says that this that she does like the song. Well, that's fine. Um, um, but so. the, but the question that we're asking here is: it acceptable for public worship? I don't. I don't think so. I, I think it'd be this would fall in the, along the category of uh, useful for riding in the car with the kids. Okay, good enough. We need to take a break. Another round of praise song pressure right after this. Well, I'm not there. 
because some people have a high pain tolerance. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. What would we do without the phrase on thought of what life would be like I don't know without the phrase song country well don't worry you don't have to <laughs> you don't even have to experience such a thing because we have the praise song cruncher right here and uh, we're gonna send another song through the praise song cruncher what's next pastor Wolfinger this is the song you're not alone by owl city oh yeah you are is this even a praise song <laughs> uh yeah probably you, okay. you you think just because Al Al City sings it, a church, it's going to stop a church from singing it in their worship service? This is um this here comes from an email from John who writes John in in uh, Indiana writes hello pa asters <laughs> what does that mean pa asters do I say that is funny it, is he having a hard funny? time uh, saying pastors Pish, apparently pastors. <laughs> First time emailer, long time listener. I have a praise song for the. I have a song for the cruncher. Owl City, you're not alone. Thanks for all your work. Regards, John in Indiana. All right, John. Here is you are not alone. Hope you're not listening to this while you're alone. There'll be a contradiction. <laughs> Some days I barely hold on when life drags me down. I wanna let go. When my spirit is weak, you come to my aid and strengthen my soul. I'm lost without you, I'll never doubt you, your grace is beyond compare. Cantor can hit all those notes. <laughs> what you were just? Did you get the uh, one fe- featuring Brit Nicole, who was about to start singing next? <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. According to the lyrics, that was the Cantor. Which, I mean, what Brit Nicole? I think if it's if she's featured, must be pretty good. I never heard of her before, but that's not saying much. Hardly ever heard of anybody. True. Barely but you stopped it. All right. Anyway, Brit continues. Some days I just can't go on. I stumble and fall. I hang, and I hang my head. But you reach out for my hand, and you lift me up again and again. Oh, yes, you do. <laughs> and then both sing. I'm lost without you. I'll never doubt you. Your grace beyond compare. And though when it rains, it pours. You know all I have is yours. You smile when you hear my prayer. You rescued me, and I believe that God is love, and he is all I need. From this day forth, for all eternity, I'll never wander on my own. Uh, let's see. In the face of my depravity, God, uh, for God so loved the world that he died for me. Yeah. My fire burns till he returns and takes me home beyond the galaxy. Yeah. Hmm, galaxy. Does yours say yeah after that? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, sorry, I forgot that. I thought yeah is like selah. It's not, <laughs> That's what it is. It's not to be read. <laughs> Wish it wasn't red. You're not alone. You're not alone. You're not. You're not alone. Never alone. All right. Is Jesus mentioned in the song? No, he is not. Okay. I thought he was when it said Adam, but apparently Adam is the singer and, and not like the old Adam. I thought this was going to be like a <laughs> call and response. Well, it's kind a good thing, thing the featured singer wasn't Eve, or else you'd be <laughs> sold on this. I'd be so confused. I mean, I would be. In fact. I'm already confused. <laughs> I didn't even need that. Okay. Uh, what I about... don't see any Jesus. Do you? No, Jesus doesn't make it. Running late for okay. this rendition. Uh, number two, 
mystical form. So we have sentence fragment. Sentence fragment. <laughs> What's happening over there? Sentences and, and assertions go or uh, impressions. Extremely repetitious alone. or not at it all. It is extremely repetitious. It. I do think that they're working in sentences here. You should me and I believe that God is love and he is all I need. The face of, I mean, there's a cup. There's a cup. Excuse me. Uh, let me wake up for the show here. In the face of my depravity, that, for example, is not a sentence. It's pretty bad when Table Talk Radio puts the hosts to sleep. <laughs> I'm running. I'm running low on gas. Getting ready for this Israel trip here. Oh, okay. There's a lot of things to check on the list. Anyway, that's no excuse. I should have been prepared with my five-hour energy. Or you remember how I was trying to market a 15-minute energy drink to drink right before the sermon? No. You don't remember that? No, it sounds like a real hit, though. Days. Oh, yeah. My fire burns till he returns. That could be a bumper sticker. And takes me home beyond the galaxy. That's when they were kind of getting tired of writing lyrics, and they're like, <laughs> well, it'll do. It was like 3 in the morning. <laughs> they're yawning. <laughs> you want to put the word galaxy in there? Uh, sure. <laughs> All right, what's next? Mystical content? Something's yeah. on fire here. Something's always on fire in a praise song. That's a mystical thing. My fire burns till he returns. I think that means uh, I'm passionate about the Lord. I close my eyes and I can hear you say you're not alone. Talk about that one for a little bit. Wait, which part did you read? The part that says, uh, I close my eyes and I can hear you say, you're not alone. <laughs> um, I don't know. I only like these two lines in the entire song. <laughs> in the face of my depravity, for God so loved the world, uh, he died for me. Yeah, that's right. But right above that, look at right above that. I know. I close my eyes and I can hear you say, you're not alone. Now, that is, what would that be? It's not saying... Maybe, it, I don't think it's literally saying that every time I close my eyes, I hear a voice that says you're not alone. But it's kind of like this. When I'm so, oh, things are going so rough in this world, and I'm just being um, getting ready down. for Israel. I'm out of gas. Yawning, take it easy. Hey, take, it, take it easy. <laughs> I don't have the yawn button over here like you do. Tried to stay up watching Nacho Libre last night, and I fell asleep. That movie is hilarious oh, two-thirds into it. Yeah, man. The other the other boys, the so, kids are watching it one at a time, and I'm watching it each time, not wanting to leave them alone, you know, just being a good dad. So you cashed in on some more, like, free movie points, and you watched the oh, same Carrie? movie? Carrie, Carrie figured out how to download it from some other place, like Amazon. So she's like a pirate. No, it, we had to pay for it again. Oh, okay. <laughs> but the, she got it for the same price and had it for like a month. Anyway, I'll be watching it every day till we leave. Oh, Lord have mercy. And I want to memorize it, you know. I want to <laughs> meditate on it. I want to memorize it for the Israel trip. I want to have in case, it. In case Table Talk Radio <laughs> runs out. <laughs> I want to have it hey, in my heart. Hey, hey, hey take it easy. Take it easy. Hey, ta- <laughs> Hi, my name take is Brian. Easy. Take it easy. You ready Let's for a 11 hour trip? <laughs> Remember the time Let's I ripped off my blouse? <laughs> Sit down to the guy. Let's get down to the nitty gritty. Uh, who is this Incarnacion? My favorite color is blue and brown. You I need like to learn how to Lord's play the work. guitar like him. <laughs> I don't. I always fall asleep. That's where I start to fall asleep. What's, how's that song go? What, Ramsey's Ramsey's at a party. <laughs> He's not dancing because Ramsey's doesn't dance at parties. <laughs> He does the jazz trumpet. Oh, that's good stuff right there. Oh, and he man. throws the wine on him. Hey, take it easy. <laughs> oh, man, I am glad I'm not sitting next to you on that trip. If I'm we already go- flat loopy. I feel like I'm, uh, uh, what's the thing called when you're tired? Because going to your di- went to a different time zone. I jet feel lagged. like I'm already that way. That, yeah, jet lagged. I'm just table talk radio lagged. <laughs> Let's get on with it. Here. All right, we need to uh, finish this up. What's the next up? thing? Law and Gospel? Yeah. Here's the problem with this song, which is similar to the problem in the last. It assumes... In the last? Remember, are you a song singer? <laughs> last. In the last song. 
That is that it assumes the problem is I'm really sad. Like I'm I'm really hard on myself. You know, some days I barely hold on when life drags me down. I want to let go. That's depression. My spirit is weak. You come to my aid and strengthen my soul. That's that's like this. The eagle egg, it had no powers. It had no nutrients. <laughs> the song, it gives me nutrients. <laughs> if you haven't seen Nacho Libre, then this is, you might as well just skip this whole bit. It's too late. You've already listened. I know. All right, we now, uh, we need to go to a so break the, here. So in just the a law bit. Of gospel here is wrong law. It's not I'm a sinner. It's more like I'm really sad. Now being sad is part of being a sinner, but uh, if the if the law is I'm sad, then the gospel is Jesus makes me happy, and that, my friends, is not the gospel. Right, and that is all the time we have. So is this song crunched? Crunch. All right, that uh, we'll be right back to play. I guess we're gonna play name that logical, <laughs> that logical fallacy. fallacy. Oh, yeah. oh, more Table Talk Radio right after this. Table Talk Radio. After a while, you just get used to it. And we're back for the final segment of Table Talk Radio. Uh, during that break, All I was right. able to get some uh, quotes so that we could play a little Name That Logical <laughs> Fallacy. It's pretty exciting. A slightly, longer than our, a slightly longer than average break. Nobody knows what you're talking about. Okay. Uh, right. So I have... Take it easy. I'm, <laughs> hey, take it easy. Some things never die, though. <laughs> okay. Do you remember how I remembered over that long break that I'm quoting Nacho Libre? <laughs> I'm worried hey, for you. Take it easy. Because you are going to have to pay attention for this. Dude. This isn't one of those you can just play on auto-drive right. while playing, you know, right. your Nacho Libre songs. Facebook you actually have to words with friends. listen. Yeah. Okay. So... Um, I'm going to give you four logical fallacies, and you're going to have to listen to what I say okay. so you understand what they mean. And then I'm going to play a clip for you, All and right. you have to determine which logical fallacy is being discussed here. Okay. Thank you for reminding me that I have to listen to you. Yeah, well, someone has to remind you. Okay, your <laughs> first logical fallacy is um, the uh, red herring. And uh, you know what a red herring is? Yeah, it's just like a white herring, but red. <laughs> it's actually a fish. Do you know how the, how this uh, yeah. Well, yeah. logical fallacy got its name? Uh, no. They would uh, they would train uh, train bloodhounds to be you know chasing a scent you know like go find the bad guy that breaks out of jail or whatever, and in training it they would drag a red herring fish across the path that the bloodhound is supposed to be uh, chasing. And the test is to see if the dog will switch to the scent of the fish or will it keep going on the scent of what it's supposed to be following. So the red herring fallacy is when you bring another issue into the conversation to avoid the topic at hand, the the real debate, and to go off on another topic. So that's red herring. So you want to talk about Nacho Libre? Good example. Your second logical fallacy... (laughs) is the appeal to nature, and this is when something is being uh, argued that it is natural, uh, therefore it is valid or justifiable or good or ideal or something like that. So you, you have this appeal to nature, and because we can prove it to being something from nature, then it is uh, morally neutral or whatever. That's what I call the baboons do it uh, <laughs> argument. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, you're next. You hear that all the time. You know, it's like, hey, two people should be married. Two men can be married because the baboons do it. What? Yeah. yeah. We want to take all two men that are married to each other and put them in the zoo? Well, and my, qu- no. <laughs> my question in, in that is how many of those bu- buffoons are uh, reproducing? 
buffoons. I said baboons. Oh, sorry. That was a Freudian slip. (laughs) (laughs) True. Okay, your next logical fallacy. Take it easy. Uh, Take it easy. Your next logical fallacy is the slippery slope argument. And that is uh, if you allow something to happen, then something else will eventually happen too. So if you allow A, then Z will happen. Therefore, A is invalid. Now, I don't think... Or this say that one again? Uh, if you allow A to happen, Z will eventually happen, so therefore A should not happen. Now, I think there's a oh, distinction okay. in this one between cause and effect, right? But you're discrediting A because Z will happen or could happen. So um, it's, it's not a logical consistency to say that uh, uh, the original thing uh, is invalid just on the basis that it could result in Z. And right. your last and final logical fallacy it has a couple of names. Um, it, the Latin is post hoc ergo propter hoc, um, some, sometimes like simply name. said post hoc. Uh, but this is one that's known as a false cause, so that you uh, presume that a relationship between two things means that one is the cause of the other. Okay, you got that? Uh, could you have an example? So if I said... Um, I had coffee this morning, and Pastor Wolfmiller was late this morning. Therefore, whenever I have coffee, Pastor Wolfmiller is late. You have to actually oh, prove yeah, that right. there's a connection between those two things. Okay. Got it? Okay. So the first clip I have for yeah. you is uh, a commercial from Chrysler. Here it is. Hands-free driving. Cars that park themselves. An automated car driven by a search engine company. We've seen that movie. It ends with robots harvesting our bodies for energy. (laughs) (laughs) That's nice. I I saw these guys on on the internet somewhere, and they were the, uh, the PowerPoint guys, and they would prove anything that you wanted them to prove by using PowerPoint. And they were experts. At the logical fallacies, and th- this this little video clip reminds me of it. So, uh, okay. So now I have to figure out. So the argument is something like this: um, uh, self-driving cars will put us into the matrix. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. So I I want to know if that's a red herring. These are related to each other. Mm-hmm. Appeal to nature. I don't think that's the baboon argument. The slippery slope... Huh. You know, the slippery slope, I think, is a version of the post hoc ergo propter hoc. Do you think that that's... Is that true? That, is that, could, the, that could be true. So the slippery slope says, you do this, and it ends that way, and it's bad. Oh, no, no, no. They're different. The slippery slope um, would deny the step one because the the you would deny the beginning because the end is bad, even if they're even if there is a real connection, that doesn't of necessity mean that the first thing is bad. Right. Post hoc ergo propter hoc is to argue a fake connection. What is the logical fallacy that says it happened in the science fiction movie, therefore it will happen in reality? <laughs> it's got to be one of these. Um, I'm going to say, see, I, well, I'm tempted to say that that's a slippery slope, but I think that's actually going to be post hoc ergo propter hoc. There's actually no connection between Google cars and being put in the matrix. But this is this is establishing some sort of connection between the two. <laughs> well, actually this is the slippery slope. Oh, okay. <laughs> They're so, very close to each other. Well, that's true. I I see your point, but But see the slippery slope would say, "Hey, uh, well I mean the slippery slope argument would be what? Like, hey, you start letting teenagers dance together, then they're going to be getting pregnant." So we shouldn't have dances. Well, what this is saying is that if we're going to uh, start letting uh, cars be so animated, then the result is that uh, robots are going to be harvesting our organs. Um, so uh, we, we, we shouldn't, we shouldn't go buy into cars that are so automated because the robots take over. The slippery slope. Okay, I see how you're going. Okay. Yeah, I, uh, I'm not so sure that that's a one-to-one connection. How to tell if your robot car is overreaching is when you tell it play table talk radio 
and it doesn't. It refuses. <laughs> then you know the robots are thinking too much. They're like, no, it's not good for you. Yeah. It'll put you yeah, to sleep. That's a good point. <laughs> Don't let anyone do any harm. You know, there's a robot rule number one, never harm a human. I refuse to play table talk radio because it will do you harm. You know, right, that kind of need, thing. We need to keep going. We're running out of time. <laughs> very, very dangerous. Here's the next. All right, I'm ready. Here's the next. Give me another. I'm Barack Obama, and I approve this message. Maybe you're struggling just to pay the mortgage on your home. But recently, John McCain said the fundamentals of our economy are strong. Hmm. Then again, that same day, when asked how many houses he owns, McCain lost track. He couldn't remember. Well, it's seven. Seven houses. And here's one house America can't afford to let John McCain move into. And that would be the White House, of course. <laughs> wow. Um, okay, so let me so reduce the argument down for me so I can put it in my mathematical crunchers. Um, okay, so oh, this might give it away, but uh, so so here the 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 question is that of economy, and uh, are we in a uh, economy that can support or or, or are these are these uh, candidates? Um, ones that can uh, work good for the economy. And then um, John McCain has seven houses, and we shouldn't let him move into the White House. Uh, huh. So this is the argument that he's out of touch so that someone can't know uh, the plight of the common man if he owns seven houses, that there's people that are immune from the pain of the economic trouble and so those people should not be entrusted, given the public trust. Um, one of the, it seems like one of the marks of being president is that you have enough money to run a presidential campaign, which means you are not the common person. That that is kind of funny. That you hear that a lot, right? I I mean this this is currently going on with um, uh, the Clintons, right? And uh, and it's like oh they, they're uh, they're just rich. They don't even know how to relate to the the white middle class, but they're running for president. Of course they have tons of money. <laughs> right, that's right. I think this argument, this logical fallacy, is going to be the red herring. Uh, it does, but does, it, would Paul McCain be helpful in knowing or not knowing the uh, policy that would help people? Uh, th that he has seven houses is a distraction. In fact, I would rather have a guy running the economy who knows how to manage his money well enough to actually buy seven houses. <laughs> Than the guy who does not. Uh, you're right. Like, I do not. I do not want my banker to be bankrupt. <laughs> I'd like him to be wealthy. In fact, you're right. That's a red herring. Uh, right. It started out asking about um, the economy, and now it's about his seven houses. All right. Uh, maybe time for one more. I'm afraid. Um, All right. Here's the last one. Ernie. Hey, Hi, Bert. Bert. You still have that banana in your ear. What? I said you still have that banana in your ear. Yeah, Bert, I know. You know? Ernie, why is that banana still in your ear? Listen, Bert. I use this banana to keep the alligators away. Alligators? <laughs> Ernie, there are no alligators on Sesame Street. Right. It's doing a good job, isn't it, Bert? <laughs> <laughs> that would be... Uh... I don't know if it's an appeal to nature. <laughs> it's a post hoc ergo propter hoc. I think that is uh, what that's going to be caused. That is oh. right. You know, that's how to be a good church growth guy, too. I mean, you just, there's a couple of things that fall in your lap when you end up with a mega church. And, um, you know, personality and being at the right place at the right time and a couple key people coming at the beginning, etc. And then you get some big church, and then you go back and you say, well, we got to be this big church because we prayed a lot and we followed these principles. And, uh, and then, you, then what that allows you to do is sell your principles, uh, which supposedly result in growth, but of course have nothing to do with it, because the Bible tells us that God gives the growth. That is a true statement from the Scripture. Hmm. And so you cannot, whenever you find someone telling you the reason for the growth of their church— and if that reason is not simply God gave the growth, then they are fooling you with the post hoc ergo propter hoc. You got it. Okay, we Bananas need to, in the ears. I have, a, I have an idea. We, I have one more for you, but we're out of time on the radio. 
So Ooh. if you're listening on the radio, you need to find us on tabletalkradio.org, and you can listen to the rest of this show. If you are listening uh, on the podcast, then just stay tuned after the theme music, and you'll hear this last one. Uh, so that's all the time we have. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Where the points are like the alligators on Sesame Street. <laughs> okay. Are you ready for this last one? Yep. All right. Here it is. Human beings have free will. You don't just decide who to love. <laughs> Settle down there, Martha. Christian does have a point. But let's take a look at the most recent scientific evidence. As they study sexual orientation, scientists are currently looking at three main areas. Genes, hormones, and birth order. Of course, most of these studies focus only on male sexuality. Sorry, Martha. What a shock. Let's first look at studies of identical twins. Hi. When one identical twin is a gay man, the other twin is gay up to 70% of the time, far higher than would occur if genes played no role. In fact, these studies show that genes play a greater role in determining sexual orientation than they do in whether or not you're right or left-handed. And we don't punish the left-handed. Well, not anymore. Let's get it! Scientists have recently noticed a striking statistical phenomenon. Studies show that having older brothers increases the odds of a boy being homosexual. Moms always baby the youngest, making them gay. No, that's not it. When a woman is pregnant with a boy, scientists are realizing that her female body often sees the male fetus as a foreign object and begins to produce antibodies against it. The more boys a woman has, the more adept her body becomes at feminizing the fetus, which may explain why with every successive boy, the odds that he will be gay go up significantly. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. <laughs> the old baboon argument. <laughs> Baboons are gay. So we should be too. Oh, my goodness. I think that is the logical fallacy of the appeal to nature. Uh, you are right. Good job. What Thank gave you. it away? Man, I know these. Uh, well, it was mostly the guy's voice. It's the same guy that they used to do the cartoon on Jurassic Park. I Hello, DNA. I thought it sounded li a little bit like the previous Lutheran Hour speaker. <laughs> Ken Klaus? <laughs> Is it okay to make fun of him because he refused to come on Iron Preacher? Oh, yeah. I forgot that um, we wanted to have Iron Preacher um, from the Lutheran, the Lutheran Hour, but we have to have Doctrinal Review. Apparently, <laughs> if you're a, just a Missouri Senate pastor, you're uh, certified to preach in, in pulpits. But if you get on the radio... For the Lutheran Hour, you have to have extra doctrinal review. <laughs> Got to have standards around here somewhere. <laughs> I mean, who cares about the the fools in the Christian pulpit? But if you go on the radio, hey, take it easy. Look, if I was a Lutheran Hour speaker, I'd be like, someone tell me something so that I don't have to go talk to these fools. <laughs> now, uh, this argument goes like this: um, the the mom's body hates you. Which is obviously makes makes you more likely to be gay. That's it's not really comforting. The body didn't. The body, your mother's womb saw you like an invading object, and tried to reject you. Couldn't quite kill you, just made you more feminine. It was great Thanks when lot, when guy. I was uh, when I was preparing these clips. I found uh, a video about how it said uh, they're trying to discredit. Oh well. Um, a lot of people say that uh, gays can't be as good of parents, but actually uh, there was a new study that says uh, children who grew up in, in, with homosexual parents say that, that they're more likely to be open-minded, as if open-mindedness is the standard for good parents. <laughs> you know, that'd be like saying uh, heterosexual parents are better because they uh, raise their children to be... Uh, uh, more, more opposed to, to like... homosexual marriage. <laughs> I mean, that's right. They're more likely to like NASCAR. What the? Now, okay, so let's talk about this argument. Let's. Uh, so the argument is some people are more likely to be uh, attracted to someone who has a body also like them. Now, okay, here's a problem. Heterosexuality and homosexuality are um, simply... Uh, very broad impulses that need to be constrained no matter what. 
Okay. No, no, no matter what. So, so it could be that a man is attracted to women, or that a man is attracted to men, or that a man is attracted to both, or that a man is attracted to nothing. It's just all, it could all be true. But if a guy is attracted to a woman, that does not mean that it is okay for him to go and chase after all the women that he wants to. Right. That attraction is to be constrained to one. Now, that means that there is a, uh, a wife for a husband, one wife and one husband, and that all the other two billion women that that man might happen to be attracted to are off limits to him. Right. So that, so that in any way that you talk about it, our sexual impulses are constrained against nature. And that, my dear friends, is the definition of, of ethics, that I'm able to come to my passions and my desires, which rule the animals and the Gentiles, and to say, hey, uh, dear passions, you are wrong. You are incorrect. You are unwise. You are unruly. Now, what we ought to argue, so that if someone comes to us with a baboon argument, I think our, uh, uh, I think our argument should be, and I've, I've never tried this, but it might be effective, to say to the gay man, um, hey, do you eat McDonald's? <laughs> and watch, he'll say, no, McDonald's? that's disgusting. They're McDonald's. I didn't that's know right. that's better than you. <laughs> that's right. So, no, I don't eat. Do you, do you like, do you, do you, are you hungry uh, for eating things? I mean, do you like the way McDonald's fries tastes? Yeah. Well, why don't you eat them? Well, because they're not good for you. Ah, so you can refuse to follow your desires. <laughs> I mean, well, you, you, there are things that you want to eat that you do not eat because they know that they're bad for you. At least I've heard of people that are like that. And I, I would just imagine that maybe that might be one of the marks of the gay men. I don't know. Might be a little bit racist there. But uh, that would be one of the things that's happening is that you're able to say, the thing I want is not good for me, so i got to go do something different than the thing I want to do. And that, by my friends, is how to be a human being. The, the other logical fallacy we could talk about here is one called begging the question, and that is when um, you present a circular argument in the conclusion. So, uh, so, so that w within the premise of your argument is already the conclusion. So we're talking about the morality of homosexuality, and then they say, um, well... Um, you know, it, we find it in nature, and you're born that way. And the assumption, where, where they're begging the question, the assumption is that if we can prove it to be from nature, then it is uh, morally acceptable. Right. But, but that's not a point that they ever actually proved in the argument. So right. I could say, um, uh, look, I was born with, you know, I have the hormones and the genes to be attracted to many women. <laughs> Right. So, therefore, uh, it must follow that I am free to cheat on my wife. Yeah, I know. That's a, which is a horrible argument. Or you could argue, hey, praying mantises eat their husbands. <laughs> therefore, wives should eat their husbands. I mean, what the? It's just so stupid. I mean, baboons throw poop at people. Hey, therefore, take it easy. Take it easy, baboons. <laughs> Hey, baboons, take it easy. <laughs> All right. You know, I think that's... <laughs> uh, cows. Well, I don't want to take... I mean... <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Lions eat people. You know, that does not mean that we should eat people. <laughs> Sharks also eat parts of people, mostly. Legs and arms. Does not mean we should eat arms and legs. I mean, the things that happen in nature, there's a reason that we look at these things and say, ah, that should not happen. You know? <laughs> I mean, cats clean themselves by licking. That does not mean that we should start <laughs> licking each other. I mean, the, I, how many times you just if when you start trying to live like the animals, it's just going to not go well. I mean, look at wolves don't wear clothes. I'm taking off my shirt right now. Okay, that's where we're going to end this segment then of uh, <laughs> Table Talk Radio. Thanks for listening to the extended edition of uh, Table Talk Radio, and uh, see you again next week. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Table Talk Radio is not for everyone. Please consult your pastor before listening to Table Talk Radio. 
Side effects may include nausea, vomiting, headache, heartburn, hair loss, hallucinations, and aversion to incomplete sentences with aquatic imagery, psychosis, coma, death, halitosis, lung cancer, brain tumors, sleep gain, internal bleeding, internal combustion, a sudden craving to smell your backseat, claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge to fight the capitalists on Twitter, and falling off your treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org.